I'm really excited to introduce our, uh, our preacher, uh, speaker to you this morning. Um, Mike Lilly, Michael Lilly, uh, is uh, one of my dearest friends, and uh, we served together at King of Grace Church, which eventually sent us both out uh, to plant churches. So we've uh, planted Trinity Cambridge Church in Cambridge, and Mike's planted King of Peace Church in Salem, Massachusetts. Uh, a lifetime before that, you know, Mike, Mike was a lieutenant colonel in the Army. Uh, he served there for a while. He's still a highly uh, coveted instructor. Uh, but he gave all of that up uh, so that he can serve Jesus uh, by preaching the gospel. Uh, and uh, he's a man who has personally experienced God's grace in his life in a radical way. And because of that, he very effectively ministers God's grace to others, uh, those who are um, uh, in need, uh, all of us uh, as sinners in need. And uh, Mike's a man of prayer, uh, and we had him come, and he actually preached to us, taught us about prayer uh, a few years ago, actually, when we were still at uh, Kennedy Longfellow School in East Cambridge. And so this is his, I guess, second time, I guess, preached for it. It's been a little while, but yeah, so probably a lot of you guys don't recognize him, but I'm, I'm really glad that you guys get to meet him today. So uh, Mike, Mike is married uh, to his wife, Enza, uh, who serves as a doula. So she, their service usually meets in the afternoon, and so Mike was able to come preach for us. But Enza had other commitments. That's why she's not here with him this morning. Uh, he's married. He's got uh, three sons. Uh, I got three girls, got three sons, and uh, it's, uh, uh, it's wonderful to have you to preach for us. Thank you, Mike. So please come up. Let's welcome Mike to come preach for us. Well, greetings to you from your brothers and sisters in Christ in Salem. And it's good to be here together with you today. I, I just can't say how excited I am. I remember coming here years ago and walking the streets and praying with Sean any of you here. <laughs> so it's really cool to look out and see this today. You know, the work that God has done building his church. Amen? So, 20 years ago, I was still in the army. Uh, and during that time, performance counseling uh, was really a part of my professional life. Now, I like my soldiers. In fact, I love being Chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, by grounding 
God's faithful identity. He points them to the good things that God has faithfully done on their behalf and how he has seen the result of those good things manifested in them. Paul doesn't put their hope in their ability to do better, but in God and in what God has already faithfully done through Jesus Christ and how God will sustain them until Jesus returns. So please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9, and follow along as I read. Paul writes, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and a brother sounds enough. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him, in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. May God bless the reading and the hearing and the preaching of his holy word. Father, this week, may you send your Holy Spirit to bring these words to recall and would encourage your people by knowledge, by the knowledge that they are called by you. They are made holy in Christ, and they are sustained guiltless until Christ returns. Father, ask today, let your spirit, and let your word go out, and turn away that your promise, Lord, empower the preaching of the word today, Lord, you have prepared to receive it. We pray that in the name of your Son, Amen. So, from this passage this week, um, I have one simple thought, I guess, that I want you to walk away with. And that is, God is faithful to call you, to sanctify you, and to sustain you who trust in the Lord Jesus. I guess we could really just kind of cut that down even more to simply say that God is faithful. But I like the longer one because it's sort of has the gospel in a nutshell there, right? God is faithful to call, sanctify, and sustain all those who believe in Jesus Christ. So now to prove the, that proposition to you today, I really just want to say that God has called you, and my three points are really God has called you into the fellowship of his son. God has called you to be saints, and God has called you into the ministry. 
of his son, Jesus Christ. So let's get started with our first point, that God is faithful to call us. In this this first point, I I want to briefly show you three ways in which God is faithful to call us. I want to help build your faith by seeing that God has been faithful to you, faithful to call you first into the fellowship of his son, Jesus. Second, to live as saints of the Lord Jesus. And third, into the ministry of Christ. Now, Paul, in verses 1 through 9, begins with ministry, moves to saints, and then to fellowship. But I'm going to do that in reverse order, and we're going to start with verse 9. There, we read that God is faithful. Let me ask you. Who does this verse say, called you and I, into the fellowship of his son? Who called you? God. It was God. It was God the Father. And as we consider this passage, the first thing we learn, the first thing we really need to hold on to, is it is God who is faithful to call us, not we ourselves. It is God who is faithful. We have not called ourselves into this fellowship of Jesus with God. But God was faithful to do this while you and I were still enemies. Wow. Where were you when God called you? Let's stop and think about that for a minute. Where were you when God called you? Most of you were probably not saved in childhood. If you were, thank God for that. I am grateful for it. But I bet a bunch of you were not. I was 30 when I was called. And I was in, in a full out spring away from God. I wanted nothing to do with God. I had experienced the church when I was little, and I wanted nothing to do with that. But God, but God was faithful even while I was still living in sin, following my own desires, following the course of my own way. He called me into fellowship with His Son. God faithfully called me before the foundations of the earth, pursued me with his relentless love. He sent his Holy Spirit to open my eyes and even gave me the faith to believe because I couldn't even do that. So let's all see that this is God's work, not ours. It is God that is faithful to do it. It is God who is faithful to call us into the fellowship of His Son. And friends, God has faithfully called you into a relationship with His Son. But it's more than just a relationship. So you're called into the fellowship of Jesus. And the word here, fellowship, is important. The, in our current context, we talk about fellowship, and you know, it kind of sounds like coffee and donuts, a little chit chat after. Jesus didn't die for you to have chit chat after church. That isn't why God sent His Son. 
تستحق Maybe you're familiar with uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's trilogy, The Fellowship of the Ring. Maybe you've read it, maybe you know, maybe just a word or not. But the point is that there's this trilogy out there, and it's called The Fellowship of the Ring. Fellowship is kind of a narrative that point, right? And what it's talking about is these nine companions who were brought together to accomplish something. Right? These, they're on this quest to destroy the ring. The fellowship that they had entered was full of danger. It was hard. It was costly. People would die in it. That's much more like the fellowship that Paul's going after. In the original language, the noun fellowship is referring to a legal and binding partnership between two or more people. It's used in terms sometimes of marriage, and it's often used in business contracts. And I will give you, for example, uh, Peter and James and John and Luke 5, where they are in partnership in this, um, in this fishing business that they're in. And if you think about that, uh, it's a financial partnership for them, but it was a partnership blood and sweat equity. Right? And if they fail, if you didn't bring a catch in, what happened? You went hungry. Your family went hungry. So you put everything you had into making this thing work. It was costly. So think of people in your turn, right here globally. You are called into the eternal fellowship. God's Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, your Lord, mine. And you're called into that fellowship with these people whose lives are bound up with yours in Christ. You are to partner with Jesus as he builds his church, not just as an individual, but as members of the partner. Let me stop for just a minute. And what I want you to do is look at the person to your left and the right. Is, is there anybody on the left and right? You see there and that, right? Somebody. You got one on one and the other, right? And now I want you to look at that person on your left, on your right, and say, We are in partnership with Jesus together. Let me hear it. Look at that person. We are in partnership with Jesus together. Good. God is faithful to put you into that partnership with His Son together. Amen. So the second thing that God has called us into is in verse 2. And there we see that we are called to be saints as those whom God has called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus. Paul wants to make sure that the Corinthians and us today know that God has also called us to be saints. That we didn't call ourselves to be saints, I guarantee it. God has called us to be saints. So let me ask you, did God call you into the fellowship of his son, Jesus, because you were holy? 
If you were holding before you were called, please raise your hand. There's the door in the back because you don't belong here. No, seriously. God did not call you because you were holy. He didn't look down from heaven and say, Oh, that one there. She is so Yes, there are kicking and hoe because 
necessarily be. I hope that doesn't happen by the way. <laughs> There's a penalty, right? Because I've done that, I could get ticketed, I could get towed. And just because I didn't see a sign doesn't make me innocent. The problem is that when we break God's laws, we just don't get ticketed and towed. We get a penalty. And even worse, every human being that has walked the face of the earth has broken God's laws on the basis that's the penalty. But God, <laughs> but God is compassionate and merciful, filled with steadfast love and faithfulness. He knew humanity could not get out of the mess that was created by Adam and Eve. So, he sent his son Jesus. He gave Jesus to be a sacrifice in your place, to pay our price, to pay a price in our place, to die for our sin and face our punishment, to be an offering that established peace between God and us. Yet, before Jesus could live, before he could be a perfect sacrifice in our place, he had to live a perfect life. Right? So Jesus had to live a life that was declared righteous and holy before God by following God's laws perfectly. And he did that. Jesus did live a life before God that was perfect and God did declare him holy and righteous. And when he had lived that life to the point that was necessary, God sent his son to the cross where the sin of every believer was placed on Jesus. Then God the Father put his son to death. In doing that, Jesus became a sacrifice on our behalf. He completely paid for all of our sins. Every command Right. 
Now, let me give you, I can give you a few of these, but let me give you just one proof, one proof of why I am sure that as a believer, God has sanctified you as a completed action. I know that we are declared holy before God because when we say Jesus, God fills us, when I'm saved by Jesus, right, when I'm saved by Jesus, God fills me with his Holy Spirit. He went, uh-huh. Yeah, that's not a good thing. I, I'm, I'm not tracking it. Okay, think about it for just a second. You are filled with the presence of God. You live in this out. 
These gifts working within you. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You are a new creature. You've been transformed. This is the testimony of Christ in you. So as saints, we're to get a picture of what it means to be like, to be with Jesus, to the world around us. Right? We're to be saints to our spouses, to our significant others. We're to be saints children. We're to be saints to our employers and our clients, to our neighbors, to our parents, to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. So is that how you're thinking about the way God has called you to live? Are you thinking about acting? Are you thinking actively that you are a living picture of what it would be like to be with Jesus? That's crazy, but that's what it means to be saints. That's what we're calling, what God's called us to do. Has been sanctified. So let me encourage you, church. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power at work in you to help you live this way. That's exciting. You don't have to do this on your own. He gave you his spirit because he moves you. That's why we have grace. That's why we have grace. All right. Church, <laughs> God has faithfully called us into the fellowship of his son and his partners with Christ. God has sanctified us and, and called us to be saints of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he calls us into the ministry of Christ Jesus. So let's turn to our third point that God has faithfully called us into the ministry of the Son. In his introduction, Paul identifies himself as an apostle of Christ Jesus, called by the will of God. Now, what I am hoping you see, what Paul is making plain, is that this Not Paul. 
ministry is not just what your pastor does. And I'm sure he's taught you that. It's not just what your pastor does. Paul will go on later in chapters 12 and 13 in Corinthians to talk about the gifts God has given for the moving of the church. And he's talking to the church. Remember the intro. This is to the church, not just to the elders of the church. This is all of them, all of us. God has given gifts to the building up of the church. It's so that you and I can be ministers and minister to one another using the gifts that God has given so that we are all strengthened and encouraged, corrected, exhorted, built up in love until we all reach full maturity. Who have an integral part of what it means to be the church.
But let me give you quickly three ways in which God shows the Corinthians and us today how God is faithful to sustain us to the day of our Lord. First, let me press the point that part of God's means of sustaining us is what we've already spoken about in the first few points, that God has faithfully called us into the fellowship, and as we know from John 10, if he's called you into the fellowship, nothing can snatch you out of his hand. It's a done deal. We've also seen that he has sanctified us in Christ Jesus. We've seen that that's a completed action with ongoing effect. It means that the Holy Spirit is now in you, actively working to convict you of sin, to guide you into the future, so you know how to live, and to be more like Jesus each day, sustaining, literally sustaining you guiltless until Christ returns. Yet, by no means, that's not the end of what he's done. What God is doing with faithfully sustain is God is able to sustain you with grace and peace. Look again at Paul's reading to the church in verse 3. Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, mercy is when you get what, <laughs> when we don't get what we earned or deserve. We don't get what we earn or deserve breaking God's rules, which would be death. Grace, though, is when God gives us what we did not earn, what we did not deserve. Life, eternal life. Moreover, eternal life in Christ Jesus. And it is a grace upon grace, John was saying in the first chapter. Consider that he adopts you as his sons and daughters, that he makes you co-heirs with Jesus, and in Christ, God calls you his beloved. Grace upon grace, brothers and sisters, God extends grace to his day after day, and through Jesus, he says, come boldly before my throne of mercy and grace, to receive mercy and grace at a time of need. In Jesus, we come as his beloved children, and we make our request known. We don't need to be anxious about anything, do we? Matthew 7 tells us that God already knows what we need. Come, come. Come with all those anxious thoughts. Come with all those burdens. Jesus says, My burden is nothing. Come. Put them on me. God is there to, to bless us, to give us this mercy and grace in our time of need. God already knows what you need and God is faithful to sustain us. He even pursues us, Psalm 23 tells us, pursues us with goodness and mercy. Pursues you with He sustains us in those people in Christ who is our mediator, interceding for us before the throne of God each day. Jesus is our peace with God. He stands when, when the enemy comes to condemn us Jesus stands up. He holds up his hand. That nail-scarred hand of his name is engraved and he says, this one is mine. He pulls open his shirt and says, it's written on my heart, their name right there. This one is mine, Father. This is the one I shed my blood for. They are blood balls. 
with his blue. Then we extended peace from God. The Lord Jesus Christ is to be given also the shalom of God, the peace of God, the extension of God's will, not just for you to survive, for you to thrive and to flourish. This is God's will for you and his desire for you. For you to thrive and flourish. No matter what circumstance to be able to rest in the knowledge that you will know and loved by God, that grace and peace extended to you. Now I can talk all day about how God's extension with wise speech and knowledge and confirms the testimony of you through the Holy Spirit, the gifts you're given, how He gives you every spiritual gift for the building up and sustaining of the church. But let me just give you at the end here. God is faithful. This is faithful. Hidden in Christ Jesus, who lived a perfect life on your behalf, who paid for all your sins, who through him you are declared righteous and holy before God, guiltless on the day when Jesus is return, when he will judge the living the dead. And friends, it is our faithful God who will welcome you. As Jesus looks upon you, Says, good things. Enter in the place. Church, it's my hope today that this is grounded in the root in the life giving truth that God has been in open faithfulness. In truth, God's faithfulness did not ever depend on you. The truth is that God knew you before the foundations of the earth and set his love upon you. God has been faithful to call you, to sanctify you, and to sustain you. The dead, his son, returns. Amen.